straight out of the nation's capital. You're listening to Mornings with Mercy. Mornings with Mercy. Como si fuera esta <laughs> okay. noche la última vez. Okay, that's enough for me. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to another episode of Mornings with Mercy. Today we have with us my beautiful twin and my mom, the same person. Welcome, mom. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you excited? <laughs> I am excited. You got a lot to say today. I always have a lot to say, but I'm going to try to behave. Okay. Um, okay, so today our word of the day is meritorious. Uh, do you know what that means? I feel like you always use really big words. <laughs> I think that would be something that is based on merit. Something that is um, earned, accomplished. Yeah. yeah, basically means, which means deserving of honor or esteem, a medal for meritorious conduct. Ooh. Yeah, that's a big, big M word. Well, Dad might have a couple of those. Oh, like actual awards that are meritorious. That's pretty cool to know that one. Um, Okay, so now that we have that over with, so welcome, Mom. Um, For anyone who hasn't met my mom, she is a fan favorite of all my friends. She's the mom that your friends come to for advice, uh, whether it's asked for or not, whether they just come over and she's very invested in my friends and what they're going for. So, um Usually whatever she tells people is really good advice. So, uh, But she's a cool mom and a scary mom at the same time, which is, I think, a talent in itself. A very cool, <laughs> a very you. special balance. Um, and everyone loves her. I definitely, there's sometimes where I'm like frustrated that um, my friends come over to see her, not me. <laughs> so. Not true, but that's flattering. That's very sweet. Um, she's also someone who just makes things happen. And from my point of view, I'd say... You have a lot of success in life and anything you put your mind to, uh, it happens. So whether it's the power of manifestation or just your work ethic. Um, yeah, I'm still waiting for that to click for me. <laughs> but all about mom today. Thanks, mom. Um, all about mom today. So what did you originally want to be growing up? I knew originally. And mom has five older siblings, so sh- I think you've kind of probably seen a lot of like either maybe careers that they were kind of picking and maybe not. Actually, no, it was always based on like what they were doing. You didn't want to do. <laughs> no, not, I don't think so. I think it was really always. I knew from early on that I wanted to study law. I wanted to be an attorney. Um, do you know what kind of law? I toss the idea of criminal defense to really go after people who were um, obviously taking advantage of children and the elderly and but then I thought well sh- I'm gonna have to pick something different because I can't handle that yeah I've always said um, that um, I've always said that you make people feel stupid <laughs> not in a bad way but just like when you're in an argument with my mom whether she's right or wrong <laughs> she's no remember the one time you bought it i think a bus ticket from like you were going down to i think miami from orlando and you had bought a bus ticket and you brought it for the wrong day and you had like convinced the people do you don't remember that were you like were like oh my gosh i bought this ticket and they're not letting me go on they say it's the wrong day but it's right here and it was the wrong day you like got on the bus and you're like oh it was actually the wrong day <laughs> they were actually right but mom is someone who's just like <laughs> i feel like you just I like remember that story yeah. at all <laughs> i remember you saying that because i was like that's typical okay so you wanted to be a i definitely lawyer. wanted to be a lawyer and one of the influences was my mom your grandmother who would always when i would i was probably started when i was like 13 i would articulate an argument as to why <laughs> I disagreed with Bully her. Bully her way into why. <laughs> and she would just say, you need to go to law school. You need to study law. You need to be a lawyer. 
put in the meantime, to, put that to work somewhere. In the meantime, do what I say. And I like that idea. And then that was my plan. I, w- I had planned on finishing university and then going to um, going to Europe to visit your aunt and uh, uncle and cousins, and then having a little job to go and practice my French. And then I was going to go to Japan and teach English because at the time they were paying um, a good salary if you spoke American English or Canadian English to go teach English over in Japan, save my money, come back and go to law school, but it didn't work out. I went to Europe, I met your dad on the second night I was there, and then that was it. And plot twist, so, um, so, like, what, I guess, is that what changed over the years is that you just, like, met dad, so then you're... So that changed everything, that changed all of my plans. I never, um, I never got to Paris to work in Paris, I never got to Japan, I never got to law school. <laughs> These regrets... No, those aren't regrets at all. Um, I visited Paris enough. I've stayed in Paris enough. I oh, I l- would like to go to Japan. I have not been to Japan, but um, law school would have been uh, good right now. It would be a convenient skill set to have. But the truth is, mm, I was happy to take a career that allowed me to be home with you and your brother on snow days and the summers off and the holidays off so that we can spend time together. So for that reason, I have no regrets. I would, I am very grateful for um, the opportunities that came my way, which mainly was to be a homemaker and be a mom. That's like, that was like, that was the best, that is the best job ever. It is the best job I've ever had <laughs> and the most rewarding. Yeah, mom was a super good mom. She's like, we were always out doing stuff, playing, doing arts and crafts. And now I almost feel like my adult life is kind of boring because I'm just like, <laughs> well, I'm not really doing. Like, I feel like we were always doing something. Like, we always had, like, a fun activity, whether it was, like, making reindeers out of paper bags. Those were f- so And cute. then we put them on top of our heads or, like, playing hiding seek and hiding in the windows. And you guys... Do you remember that in the window pane? No, I just remember Germany? dad would like climb up the door frames and then we learned how to do that. But that was in Latvia. And I'd oh. hide we'd hide in the under the covers, but on the bed with a bunch of pillows. And oh yeah, I do remember nobody that. Was ever, that there was a good hiding were, spot. Those were so much I love that. That was so much fun. Yeah, we did we always did really cool stuff. Um so just like back to growing up, what do you think your biggest struggle was? My biggest struggle growing mm-hmm. up. It was well, so perfect. <laughs> no, it was hard. It was hard because when I was probably 12, my parents were getting divorced. And it was hard because my mom was going through a very hard time. She still had three kids at home. So living through that, watching her um, and how she handled all the stress and burdens responsibilities that she had so that's what I remember and I remember just having very limited resources and the things that I'd say oh you know can we get that and my mom would explain we can't we just can't my mom used to put her entire paycheck in the bank and she would take out $20 a week for any little odds and ends that we had to spend on of course that was a million years ago but even still imagine taking out a hundred dollars a week and that's all you had to spend for you and three children yeah no i don't think anybody nobody would, but that's how that's how she also taught us to live within our means and how she saved and invested and eventually owned her own home owned her condo both outright owned her car and had money for travel and a retirement and not never ever burdening any of her children for anything yeah. Um. So, like, I'd say I don't know if it's like language area, but because Letha wasn't from here, and I mean, even people from here, like knowing like the systems with like scholarships and stuff, and like the internet wasn't what it was now. Um, and you still found like you grad mom graduated high school early. She had like a, this awesome internship at IBM. And then 
um so like how did you figure this stuff out because now you can just google like scholarships or just like even if your your parents might not speak the language here and like I think at schools they like are more pushy about just you know like these are the programs that are available to you so like how did you figure all that out and certainly there's so much more available there's so many more programs and information is so much more accessible these days but I actually went to my guidance counselor at my high school because I told my mom that I wanted to get a job I wanted to start making like uh, some real money. What did Lita tell you? You have to do some. I, so wait, she said something about your hands. She said you can go talk to the guidance counselor at school, but you need to find a job where you don't get your hands dirty. <laughs> like, don't get my hands wet. Don't get my hands dirty. Um, when I was in middle school or elementary school, my dad had bought an IBM Selectric, and it's an old electric typewriter. And my mother would say, you need to practice on that. You need to practice keyboarding without looking at the keys. So I would do that. That is like what I would do, like partly for fun. That, my piano and tennis. With Mom's a fast typer, yeah. I just, I even in like middle school, I think we had like a one typing class. Not really. It was more like computer class where you learn how to like work the computer. But I just remember I would like write on paper what I, like my essays and then I'd have to type it up on uh, the computer but I would just read it out to you and you would just write it down because you're just like so I started on that typewriter and it was the I was again a great another great piece of advice that my mom gave me and my dad for buying it and knowing that this was important for everybody to be able to do not even knowing about computers but just knowing okay you need to use a typewriter and so I went into the typing class that was always fun because I was like light years ahead of everybody else so that's always a fun position to be in um at our keyboarding class and then when I went to high school I said I need to find it I went to the guidance counselor I said I need to find a job but I have to do something where I can't get my hands dirty because that's what my mom says and then she said, okay, I'm going to send you to Kelly Services, which was a temporary service. So you mm -hmm. can answer phones and you can do filing and you can like do some transcribing and things. So they sent me and I'd go to places and I would just be answering the phone. And perhaps, I don't know, I don't think I suffer from ADHD. But I do remember <laughs> going to them going, shouldn't I be doing something else? Shouldn't I be? <laughs> I don't know what I thought I could do, but... I was like, you know, have I? more talent than this. <laughs> I definitely remember. And they're like, no, you're here to answer the phone, dear. <laughs> I'm like, but there aren't that many calls. Certainly there's something else I should be doing. Don't you want to see all my skills? <laughs> uh, I do remember that. That was funny. But your dad was kind of like ahead of his time because he was, um, I remember you telling me, so my mom's family's Colombian. And I, I think it's fair to say that greens aren't necessarily a part of the the day-to-day -day diet not in a bad way it's just not and it's not like mediterranean where it's a lot of like green and vegetables and your dad had like red because i think i was you had, had traveled asked, yeah he, he was he was a member of the merchant marine and he had traveled he traveled to the united states he traveled to uh, europe and other places and so he because I remember asking my mom, well, doesn't every, isn't it a South American thing? Is that why everybody eats greens every day? Because the American, my American friends didn't really eat salad every day. And my mom explained that, no, that was my dad who had insisted that every day we eat green and leafy. <laughs> and he used to do yoga. Yeah, I remember you saying yoga. And I thought something really cool, too, was that he would listen to tapes at night, right? He would, yeah, he would have um, this French tapes. That was a record. It was the big records. The French records we had that we were to, you know, my dad would bring for us to listen to. Um, also vocabulary tapes that he would buy for me. So I would listen to them at night, like as I was going to sleep. And I remember some other game. It was like from Scholastic or something. But nobody would play with me. <laughs> so I never really found out what the, my, they're I'm all gonna older. I'm going to have to tag Aunt Patty in this. And yeah. <laughs> my siblings were older. Nobody would play the game with me. So I never really understood how it worked. Nobody would play with me. <laughs> and my dad was busy with work. My mom was always busy with work or the house, what have you. 
Um, so yes, my dad, I'm just really proud of him because he, and I look back and I think, oh my gosh, you know, my students today, whose parents come from um, other countries, they're, you know, they're wonderful people, but my dad was really a visionary. He really was, he would call me and say, I want, there's a show on like PBS or some, you know, documentary. He's like, I want you to watch it. Okay, dad. So I'd shut off my show and I'd wa have to watch. And Saturday morning when the other kids were watching cartoons, we like, oh, dad's okay. You have to go up and you'd, be, you'd have to like be doing something productive. Maybe that's where I get it from. My dad was very much insistent that everyone was productive. If you wanted leisure time, it was to read. I think your dad would have been really good in maybe like like finance because they always have to know what the next big thing is. And the reason why you guys ended up in Florida is because he read about right a guy named Walt Disney was buying up a bunch of land he bought he I mean he moved there right as Disney was I think opening or about to open or just about that time and um he was he probably he would have been good actually he would have been good at just so many things but he also you know he didn't have the opportunities that we've all had but that's why he brought his family here. That's why he brought his wife and who didn't speak any English and five children. They um, they flew into I think you know up in I don't know it was probably maybe Philadelphia. Um, I don't know how he did it. I often wonder like how did you do that? He came. He had put in for the lottery for a green card. He got a green card, um, and that was back in the early 60s when there weren't a lot of immigrants here there weren't there wasn't um there weren't any kind of programs to help in any way it was all my father knew of some friends who had moved to philadelphia and then that was it he sold the little house and the little um you know gas station that he had and his little business and he came with his five children and his wife which I always marvel because I think so many, I mean, it is just what it is. So many men, because they have, I don't know, maybe more opportunity or for whatever reason, you know, they can create entirely new lives. They just pick up and leave and say, honey, I'll be back for you. And then they're never seen from uh, or seen or heard from again. But my dad came and he came back and he's like, okay, we're all going. And I still, I'm still always so impressed by that. Amazing. Yeah. A lot to live up to. Um, what would you tell your younger self? Like some piece of advice. Mm. I'd say buy that condo <laughs> in the in And the buy the Vail Chipotle Valley. stock. <laughs> buy the Chipotle <laughs> stock. Load up on the Chipotle stock. Uh, load up on the Amazon stock. Those are, uh, yeah. Um... I would say just I've always been I've always just been a very a very much a believer and very much um, understanding that the faith is what is it's everything it's everything I learned that probably watching my mom through everything through the divorce and through you know everything just doing it all and doing it all on her own because she just never asked my dad for anything. Um, so I would say, I know that, I've always known it, but just to trust that it's his will. Whatever happens, it's his will and we have to accept that there's a bigger plan that we are, we're not intended to understand. That's not the plan. We just have to accept that it's going to work out in the end. In the meantime, we've got to behave. Be our best. Yeah. And is there anything you would have done differently? What would I have done? I would have... Had a third child. I would have had a third <laughs> child. Maybe I would have had a third child. But it wasn't meant to be. So, you know, I can't... I won't... I, I can't... I can't regret it because I guess it just wasn't in my cards. Um, What would... What would I tell my younger self is just to be more patient and and trust. And other than, you know, buy those those real estate 
um, the by the properties you thought. Yes, I would probably say that's one piece of advice. That's true. I wish I'd I'd known this that when you have a vision for something and a plan, you have to really do your homework and then let someone tell you it's no it's no let them let, you know so basically go for it until it really doesn't work uh because if you have if your instinct tells you this is a good plan this is the right action to take go for it uh, and trust your instinct that's all and is there like a maybe a tough decision that you had to make but that you were like really happy with your choice in the end i would say um i would say raising children there are so many competing factors out there and and especially as each generation goes on there is so many there are so many distractions that it is easy to just say okay all right i'm just going to go with what everybody else is going but you got to stand your ground because if you aren't there as safeguards for your children knowing no no that's a bad that's a bad move that's the wrong way then who's going to be there for them so that was probably a tough decision is just sticking to you know um going against what everybody else was doing uh, we always had the rules <laughs> yeah but you know <laughs> but i mean i guess now i see you know why why we grew up the way we grew up and you grew up the way i grew up my friends were doing other things and my mom and i think like mm -hmm. one sleepover it was only me sleeping at somebody else's house it was the hester's was because we were snowed in and you actually couldn't come get me really Wow. Yeah, I was like, yes, <laughs> finally, <laughs> I'm sleeping over at somebody else's house, and it's really Olivia's Alexander's age, and Miss Hester's your friend, so it's not even like it, it was like my friends that I got to stay the night out, I was just so excited, mm. yeah. So, you but now growing up, like, I just, I mean, when I go see Alex, she does live kind of far, so I like staying out there, but even if it's like around here, I just like staying in my own bed. <laughs> Well, and in part, it might be cultural, but, you know, like some of those videos that you've posted, they're like, you know. Oh, I always tag mom and like, you know, your mom's Spanish when. Yeah, when they're like. <laughs> you grew up Spanish-ish. On those videos where, you know, you're, the mom's explaining. I don't know who the dad oh, is. Oh, it's LeBron James. Is. Or Luan James, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, it's. So, uh, that was hard. That was hard. Uh, the you know every everything in pop culture everything in modern culture everything in what everybody else is doing but that's how our parent my parents did it they were like yeah that's great that's great that that's what the other parents are doing we don't care yeah I remember you'd always tell me well they don't love you or their parents don't love you them like I love you and I mean I never said I can't say anything like that to my friends but I just remember like that would be in my head um, I'm like, well, thank God I never said, well, your parents don't love you as much as my parents love me. <laughs> but I just thought it was really funny. Um, so what, I think you and dad, I mean, I know you guys saved a lot. And in fact, like growing up, I always thought like, I would cry because I'm like, you know, oh my gosh, they're going to get in a fight and get a divorce over money or like, because you'd always just say, no, we can't afford that. Like, no, we can't get that. No, 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 no. And Alexander would ask for something and be like, stop. Like, we're, we can't afford that. We're like poor. Yeah. I, I remember and they'd be like, they're going to get a divorce because you've asked for something. <laughs> um, but you and dad have just been like really good at being thrifty. Um, so, like, how did you save money in the early years for, or like, now you guys can kind of enjoy it a little more? I mean, you're definitely more of the, like, spend it. <laughs> but you you do you spend it with deals, and Dad's just the, like, save it. But when he goes all out, he goes all out. It's <laughs> crazy. Um, actually, I've always, I've always worked hard to enjoy life. And dad has always been a saver. So when we met, uh, <laughs> I the had... the first time he had a credit card limit. 
<laughs> when we met, I had a credit card bill, but I also <laughs> had school debt because I had. Dad you just know. met mom and was <clears throat> dazzled by her, and then she was slid her debt right in. No, but he did ask me. He's like, "Well, exactly, how much do you owe?" Because before <laughs> we before here? we before we this relationship gets too far, <laughs> I didn't know how bad it is. And I told him, "He's like, okay, all right, then we all can right. we can continue dating. <laughs> we can take this to the next step." Do you think that's something you should like ask pretty soon in a relationship or when you're I dating somebody? I like, you know hey, what? pass a salad. How much do you have in debt? <laughs> no, I think you need to know that once you're like really serious with somebody. I mean, if someone is hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, or <laughs> I guess even maybe another. Yeah. Unless the, they're a doctor. <laughs> only because there's probably something more, a, a deeper issue. Mm. But I'd say uh, right now, sadly, average college debt is tens of thousands of dollars so but i think more importantly is watching the person like how they live how they shop um if your dad met me now he might have (laughs) bailed he might have passed but back then how did we begin to save he was always a saver so when we met he had money in the bank not a lot but he had money in the bank and um he just took part of every paycheck, paid himself first. And then with every raise, he paid himself more, right? Paid more into savings. And then very early in our relationship, no, actually in our marriage, um, your aunt, Julie, sent me a book called, I think it's The Millionaire Barber. And basically it's about this guy who's a barber, he owns a little barber shop, but he's a millionaire. Why? Because he started saving and investing it early on. And there's also another um, great book that I read early on called The Millionaire Next Door. And it just kind of talked about lifestyle and the appearance. And this was before social media. But how most of the people or a significant number of people who are living in beautiful homes, driving the latest vehicle, their children in private school, so many of them, the kids' private school is being paid by grandparents you know, the beautiful home might have a couple of mortgages or, you know, a second mortgage or home equity loan. Um, and basically how it's keeping up with the Joneses and the appearance. So while I don't think we ever lived in squalor, we did always buy or live less than what we could. So when we bought our first house, um, we only, I wasn't working. We only based it on dad's salary and they literally offered us like more than twice what we bought or what we borrowed. Um, because we, they said, oh, you, you, you're, you can, we can, we'll loan you this much. You have no debt. You've got this income. We'll loan you this much. And we're like, no, that would be irresponsible and reckless. We can only we can only afford this. This is our budget. So while they were willing to loan us more, so that's what happened very early on, and partly what contributed to some of the disaster of two thousand and eight and the collapse of the housing market is that people took out loans well beyond their means, knowing not you know. And it's one thing when the bank offers to loan you money; it's you. You have to be personally responsible to say. While you're willing to loan that to me, I can't afford to borrow that from you. I'm going to have to borrow less. So that's probably a hard decision that most people don't want to make. Many people probably think, well, the shiny, the bank knows what they're doing. If they say I can borrow a million, I'm going to borrow a million. And that was a big part of the problem. Um, So that was a choice we made. We also um, early on actually had worked on it. We took a 15 year loan. But after a few years, I read um, a book by Rick Edelman, the financial advisor, um, and he said, "Why, if you're don't if you can afford a fifteen-year mortgage, don't get a thirty-year and take that take the extra money you would be paying off that m- low-interest mortgage and invest it. So instead of saving two percent or three percent on mm-hmm. my mortgage, I can invest that and make five, six, or seven percent, which is a respectable return. It's not outlandish." So that's what we started doing. 
um, I started reading more about just personal finance and it actually became more popular. There were more shows like Rick Edelman's been around mm -hmm. for a while. Um, I think Mike Ramsey is the other guy. So now it's everywhere. Susie Orman, all these people who give great advice and have regular shows. So I would watch those. Um, but I think, I guess that's how, and dad has always been the investor. I just say, I'm the spender, the idea, <laughs> <laughs> the visionary. Uh, I say, you know, why don't we move close? Well, he had said when, when you guys were out of school, the drive into the Pentagon was too far. And he's, he actually said we could move closer. And I was like, I really don't want to live closer, but I thought, okay. So I started looking around. I found a house that I liked. That's seven minutes to his work. And it's turned out to be great. We had no idea that Amazon was coming here, but we welcomed them. <laughs> and Maybe not the traffic that comes with them, yeah, but... <laughs> that's true, but uh, overall, we're not going to live here forever, so we're not going to worry about the traffic. We're just going to be happy when it's time to move to our next home, and we'll be happy that we invested in this real estate. And then, of course... Um, the anytime real estate is always a safe bet. And if it goes bad and the, the prices tank, you won't lose money until like a stock. You don't lose money until you actually sell and then take the loss. So mm -hmm. if we make a real estate investment that doesn't work out so well, we'll just hold on to it long term until it pays off. Slow and steady, I would say, is our investment strategy. And it's worked. Yeah. Um, what do you think is something that younger generations are doing wrong <laughs> or we've just like totally missed the mark? <laughs> I would have to say sincerely, um, I think our, certainly our country, um, I heard a statistic that only 60% of people have any sort of faith. So that means that 40% of people, which it's gonna it's it definitely is more of the younger people are living spiritually empty lives they're not feeding their souls they're feeding everything else but they're not feeding their souls so um i happen to have my faith very strong in my faith and everybody needs to find their faith hope you know i know that for me um I'm supposed to be uh, living it. That's how you spread the word. So I think, but I think it's hard because how do you share that with, you know, 40% of the people? They've got to come across a good example. They've got to come across people who are genuinely happy, who can share a good word with them, who can kind of lead them to faith. But how do you do that now when people are isolated? People are alone they're depressed and they need faith more than anyone. But how do you find them to share that? So I would say that's one thing. Um, young people in particular are looking for everything else to satisfy that spiritual void. And what happens is sometimes it's a movement or it's an idea that you get behind and you think, yeah, that, that's a good thing. I'm going to join that. But actually, it's just you. It's just you and your personal relationship with God that's going to really bring you happiness. And well, I think this is going to be a good one for mom. But why do you think it's so hard these days to find love and commitment? All right. This is going to be an uncomfortable <laughs> discussion. I mean, I think you and um, I think it's fair to say I don't really think you, you never really talk about like really past relationships pre dads. So I don't really think you dated around. There were none. There were none? Okay. <laughs> no, there but were like, none. Mm -mm. Yeah, I was say like you've had a pretty successful dating history here, like heartbreak free. Um, I like, if you can call it dating, I would meet somebody to play tennis. I would meet <laughs> um, somebody testing to. Testing their competitive skills. Yeah, I mean, that was it. Like, I definitely kept. I kept most guys at arm's length because my mother pretty much drilled it in my head that, you know, guys are just, you, you get, they're all, they all have the same potential. So you have to, 
you know, they're all potentially just, well, let's just say you have, you have to guide them. You have to guide them because if you open the door, everybody wants to come in. So I remember keeping, um, keeping guys definitely at arm's length and, you know, oh, you want to call, oh, I'll go water skiing or I'll go play tennis. I'll go play racquetball. But, um, it was just that, I guess that was my dating is just hanging out. So I had a lot of guy friends in college and they were wonderful to me. They were just incredible. They were so sweet, never any pressure to do anything stupid or, um, so I think that's probably how I saved myself from heartache is I just never really totally fell for anybody before, um, before I met dad. Yeah. And you guys have a cute story. I think you should share it. Oh, let's see. Because it doesn't, I feel like it doesn't really, you don't really hear this stuff anymore. And like, I think guys just kind of hold the door for you and they'll buy you a drink and they just think they're like all that. But you guys have a really cute story. Okay. So I finished university and I went to go visit. Mom's like, um, before Emily in Paris was Emily in Paris. It was Maria. In Mannheim. <laughs> Mannheim. Mannheim is not a cute. <laughs> Maria uh, in Mannheim. Not a cute uh, town in Germany. It's, um. So I, I went to visit Aunt Teresa and Uncle Butch, who lived on the base, and she had been talking about some guy who was they wanted to introduce me to, and then we went to a party, and she was like, "Oh yeah, he's not here because he's had to go out of the, uh, you know out of town or whatever," and then um, we were all everybody was dancing. It was a New Year's party. I'd only been there like a day or two, and then Aunt Teresa walks up and goes, "Look who I found!" and I thought she knew him. Oh, this wasn't the guy they originally wanted no, to show you No, I thought it was the guy she was talking about. Oh. And so she's like, you know, Charles, this is my sister. And we were dancing, and then he came to our table. And then um, we were the night was over, and we said, well, we're going to walk home now. And he said, well, I can drive you. Um, oh, and Dad had his red Jeep, little, right? Red, yeah, his little red Jeep. And my sister said, okay. <laughs> and then... Um, Antarina was a big pr- And big then pusher. she... Yeah. Uh, he wa- she invited him in for coffee. And I was like, what are you doing? Okay. And then <laughs> he came and he stayed until five o'clock in the morning. And I remember vividly, I kept telling him, this is my sister's house. You have to go. She has children. But then I remember my face... I, I, my face was, I was tired of smiling and laughing so much. We talked that whole time. Can you believe it? Your dad was just kind of quiet. Yeah. And um, then that was it. He was so sweet and so charming and would just. You guys did like a lot of, I feel like you have a pictures all like on the motorcycle with the jackets now. These leather that was jackets. him. He had uh, a nice leather jacket from when he used to have a motorcycle. That was him. He was just a sweetheart. He was just, he looked so cute in those green little BDUs. I love those. I save them. (laughs) (laughs) I can't get rid of them. (laughs) So then you guys dated in Europe. We did in Europe and then Christmas Eve. I thought you were going to go. Weren't you going to leave for France? I was. And mom gave dad a test. <laughs> I was. She didn't even let him answer and she was already like, fail. <laughs> I was. And I, I remember talking about going to, you know, going to this little job and in Paris. And, I and got he plans. Liked, yeah. And he didn't like say anything. And I think I said something like, so just like that, you're letting me go. <laughs> and I think he said something like, well, I'll come visit you and blah, 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 blah. I don't know, whatever. But, um, I can't remember what he said, but obviously he was like, you know, not going to just let me walk out. And then Christmas Eve, he left for Desert Storm in Iraq. And that was um, that was when I knew that if he came back, it was a sign from God that he was for me. Because I was kind of like, he's so sweet. He's too sweet for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's just really nice. Oh, yeah. Then then you wanted somebody who like played guitar and ah, danced. Yeah. And, and, and Lisa dance, was like, salsa. you don't need somebody like you. And I and I, I told her, and I said, yeah, I kind of thought it, you know, I have somebody more like me. And she's like, what, you so kill you someone kill like each other? 
I was like, <laughs> yeah, good point. Each other. Good point, mom. So I thought if he makes, if he comes back unscathed, and then it's a sign that he's for me. It's a sign from God that he's for me. So that's it. So he came back. He came to visit and meet everybody, and then he proposed, and then we got married a few months later. After after he came back from oh, okay, okay. Iraq. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's it. And, and then I she thought, thought she was going to travel the rest I of her thought, life. And she got I was set so to- excited. <laughs> I thought, we're going back to Germany. And he's like, no, they are moving my unit to Kentucky. I'm like, Kentucky? What is this? I've been practicing my German. I've been practicing my German. What is what is that? I mean, what is what is Kentucky? Yeah, and we get there and we had this little apartment. It was gray and it was cold. It was like you didn't even unpack your bag. Bait and switch. <laughs> I'm going back to Florida. I'll wait for you there. No, so that was fun because that's where we started our lives together, and it was sweet because um, that's when I learned. That was like officially part of the military life. And it was really sweet because, you know, um, the hates were our, you know, were our first military couple friends. Were they, they were the first so ones sweet. to see me in the hospital? They were. They came. Well, Olita was already there, but mm. they came and they brought you Teddy. Yeah, I still have Teddy. Teddy has made it a whole almost 30 years. Um, so it was just it was the start of our lives together. It was pretty cool. And then, shortly thereafter, <laughs> surprise! You came along. I thought it was food poisoning. <laughs> sure, it was food poisoning. Um, uh, the best decision they've ever made. That's true. <laughs> well, it wasn't a decision, but it was the best thing that ever. One of the two. One of the two. The best things that has happened to us. Um. What's your best piece of advice in coping with heartbreak, especially in your, like your late twenties, when you think you've like found the one um or even like for like singleness and you're like holding out for something amazing but it's like obviously especially now with covid and we're all like kind of cooped up i think dealing with singleness is tough well i think being cooped up is a multifaceted problem because it ca- it, it alters our behavior cuz we are social beings we we were made to be together to be social to help each other and that's not happening when you're locked up so I would say create every opportunity to get outside to continue meeting with friends and building new friendships because we have to work around COVID. COVID is here unfortunately Um, more serious in some areas of the country than others or at least it's dealt with differently and here in where we are it's been severe the way they've dealt with things. Closing down your office, for example, for two, you know, on, we're in the second year. That is traumatic. So I would say, A, continue to create opportunities to get out. Make that part of your routine in your week. Um, continue to get together with friends in one way or the other and definitely be outside. And as far as... Um, separately dating once and dealing with heartache I um even though I haven't like dealt with heartache when it comes to relationships um dating relationships I do think if you do it right there are opportunities to learn to learn about yourself to learn what you thought hey I I did this well and that was the right thing to do and maybe learn hmm, maybe I'm not going to do that next time maybe I'm I'm going to maybe steer the steer things differently because we are in charge we're kind of like the ones guiding a relationship and so um each, I mean, each individual, the guy and the girl, were each in charge of like, the, hey, guiding things on this is what I'm expecting. So if someone guided a relationship and it was all for them, for their benefit, and they didn't give you what you wanted, 
mm, I'm going to say in part, that's because you allowed somebody to take over the steering of the relationship. So you've got to go in willing to negotiate, not negotiate, but willing to be flexible and considerate. But you also have to stick to, no, these are my expectations. This is what I'm looking for. Right. But if we create situations where we're going to accept less, somebody's going to take more. If, if you, I'm willing to accept less from you, then you're going to give me less. No, that's a really good, a really good takeaway and a good point. Um, but it was all meant to be one way or the other. Remember, yeah, it's, it's, it was, it's all part of his great plan. It's not for us to understand. We're just supposed to learn from it and be better people for it. Be smarter. Yeah, that's good. Um, I also think you've always had a really good sense about people, even people who have, you know, fooled everybody else or other people think they're great. Um, <laughs> you've always just been in the know, even just like, yeah, we're not going to name names, but <laughs> even just like friends or people we randomly meet. Um, but like, how do you know? How do you do it? I don't think you've like, you've just like weeded people out. And um, yeah, I'm just always on it like, to me, I'm just like, oh, like people don't have a reason to lie. Or people don't have a reason to like not be genuine if you're genuine with them. And mom, mom will just like smile, be really nice, and then later be like, no. <laughs> I don't know. Or this is what you like to say. You know, I put my finger on it. There's just something, and I can't put my I finger can't put on my it. Finger <laughs> on it. No kidding. I can't put my finger or on it. Or later, you're just like, you know, I never had a good feeling. <laughs> Um, no, I think I'm pretty, pretty upfront earlier on. I'm like, mm, I, mm, I'm trying to see the best in that person. I do. Cause I think we should all assume the best intentions of others and try to look for the good in everybody. I mean, that's how we're going to get along on the planet is looking for the best in each other. If we look for the worst in the planet, it's going to be living a living hell. Why? Because we're going to be there. If I'm looking for evil and hate, I would say this, if I'm looking for evil and hate everywhere, then it, I'm going to find it everywhere I go. Why? Because I will be there. So I like to be optimistic and give people the benefit of the doubt. But I don't know how. But maybe, maybe I'm just compiling like little bits and pieces. <laughs> and yeah. Um, and then at night you've got a board where you're like writing things down and no, piecing not. things together. <laughs> I don't literally write it down. However, I do think I, dad says I, I can't keep score. It's not right. I'm like, I'm not keeping a score. I'm just keeping just mental track. <laughs> I'm just keeping a mental track of the whole thing. <laughs> That's funny. What, um, what would be one piece of marriage advice you would give? Mar marriage advice? advice. Yeah. Oh, I would say, I know I keep going back to my same theme, faith. <laughs> but I would say faith and prayer, prayer. It takes, it's prayer because, um, it is so easy to get wrapped up in work and the kids and, you know, thinking that you're asking too much Well, you're giving too little. Well, you know, and you so nothing is perfect it is a struggle it's i it's intended i'm sure to be a struggle i have said before if you think raising kids is just easy and that you know it's just perfect then you're either delusional or <laughs> completely in the dark of what's really going on so i think it takes a lot of prayer and um patience and recognizing that you know, you got to really love somebody. Don't get married unless you're like totally like, wow, this perfect is just, this person is just amazing, incredible. I love everything about him because the reality of it is it's going to get harder. The honeymoon will be over. Yeah. And I think I always think because you're always telling us like nobody loves you like your mom. That's true. And 
I mean, I know it's true, but there's just a study out saying that they found <laughs> in the brains of grandmothers that there is something that the grandmother hears the kids' voices and her brain lights up, not like the grandfather's, not like anybody else, because there's a special connection, they say, between grandmothers and their grandchildren. Yeah, and the kids, but I was thinking that, I'm like, yeah, it's so true, like, Mom and I will go at it, and then we're like, okay, cool, are you hungry? Let's go get a snack. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, like, fine, you know? It's just, like, we get frustrated with each other. What? Yeah. You get frustrated with me? All the time. Why? I don't know why. <laughs> I love you, but I, I live with you. It's just a we phase you're going through. <laughs> we do everything together. It's just a phase you're going through. <laughs> you're just in denial. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I always think that. I always think about that. I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, mom and dad no matter how upset i get with them or you get upset with me like we always just like it is what it is but i'm like oh somebody else that i'm like i've always thought about that like when i thought whatever was gonna be it i'm like oh my god like i'm gonna come home and it's like this random person i'm like where are my mom and dad <laughs> <laughs> like what are you doing how'd you get here? in here <laughs> who let you in who gave you a spare key <laughs> you know i'm like so are you gonna make dinner <laughs> like you know, usually my mom and I talk about things like, <laughs> you can hang out with me. <laughs> Are you going to watch trash TV? We like to watch The Real Housewives on Sunday nights. Shh, don't sound like that. <laughs> um, oh, here's a good one. Um, or these are great night. questions, by the way. Yeah, I wrote these cause with, with you in mind. <laughs> Joint bank account or separate bank accounts? <laughs> okay, this is a great question. This is where all the secrets come out. <laughs> Are you asking me? Uh, yeah. A lot of people, yeah, a lot of people nowadays, they kind of just do separate accounts. And I've heard of people where it's like, if it's, if we're hanging out with your friends, like you'll pay. And my mom's making a disgusted face right now. <laughs> or it's kind of like, we just go like 50-50, which I think like, uh, I mean, I guess if you're doing a joint bank account, I mean, it's not 50-50, but technically if you're like paychecks, it'd be like proportionally 50, like split but um yeah a lot of people do separate now i don't know if it's just like easier it's tough because separate to me kind of implies like look i know this is temporary so i'm gonna keep my stuff separate from your stuff because i know this is gonna end yeah and we're each gonna go our mom is fully committed yeah exactly my name on everything (laughs) (laughs) if we if you're not in for long term then then let's just date is that a red flag if somebody wants separate accounts i would say you know you've got to be able to trust somebody entirely and if you're not if even once you're married if someone is keeping secrets from somebody else that's not a good thing even have you been married for 30 years <laughs> i don't know much but <laughs> i'm gonna say that's not a good thing that is, uh, but it, and it does sound cold. So I can see, and everything, and when I think about things like this, and when I think about what, what is it I would like for you, I also think about brother. What would I like for brother? Um, because there is that joke where the one lady says to her friend, Hey, how's your new daughter in law? She's like, Oh my God, she's a mess. She doesn't get out of bed. She sleeps all day. My poor son has to bring her breakfast. He watches the kids, and then he goes off to work all day. And she's like, oh, and how's your son-in-law? He's fantastic. He does the cookie. He takes care of the kids. <laughs> he works. And he does take such good care of my daughter. <laughs> so it's all your perspective. Yeah. So I try to think of both things for you and brother. So I still cannot help but think um, it is great that women be prepared and be able to take care of ourselves. However, even back when I was a child, I knew that I could be anything I wanted to be. I knew that. I knew that. I there was that was the message when I was growing up in my school uh and I was, you know, the daughter of immigrants and my parents didn't speak a lot of English and we didn't have a lot of material things and even still I knew I could be anything. I could be anything. I literally, that was one of the things, like, oh, the first, you know, sp- uh, female yeah, mom really wanted Supreme to be Court justice. <laughs> I 
You're so trying to be, to be president. Uh, uh, so all those things were like, it's possible. So while I think it's so important that women be independent and absolutely be strong and um, obviously we're equal to men. We always have been. And, you know, actually we're a- actually able to multitask a lot better than men. <laughs> So it's important, I think, that we be able to do things, but that doesn't mean we should do. Just as we can do everything doesn't mean we should do everything. And we should allow men to take care of us. It's okay. I'm not ashamed that um, your dad provided for us for the first umpteen years of our uh, of our family life. Yeah. That I'm grateful. I'm happy. I think we make, we made, and we make a great pair, a partnership. I'm taking care of the home while he's away for weeks at a time. Um, you know, that is a partnership. And for me, it wasn't a sacrifice. I always thought, oh, I should be doing something more. Like at that receptionist job, shouldn't I be doing something more? <laughs> I felt that way when I was raising you and your brother, but it also just made it a lot of fun because I was like, Oh, let's go do this. Let's go do this. Why? Because we can. Um, so for women, and I'm just going to use, use an example. I am so your dad and I are so proud of you, all you've accomplished, you're working, you know, the job you have, the fact that everybody at work loves you and that you love your team and you're in a really great position, um, that you're investing and you're, you're financially sound, right? But our goal is not for either of you to be super successful professionally and super wealthy, and yet you didn't find good partners who are going to support you and create a good partnership with you. So I would say everything combined. I understand that prenups are very popular these days. Yeah. Fine, fine. Everybody get a prenup. You get X amount. You get what you came in with. You get you what you came in with, and the rest you split 50-50. Because I don't care if, you know, I, I, I don't care if you worked, I stayed home. Well, we both made this together one way or the other. Right. Um, so prenups, I think, are just every pretty common these days. And yeah, I, I do think, think so. it should be a joint account. Why? If we're a partnership... What kind of partnership has your account over there and my money over here? That's kind of, um, I, no, I think it should be combined. Yeah. Um, thoughts on living together before marriage? I think the guys are all it's for also it. also super common now because a lot of people are like, let's see if we can like coexist before. Well, I think we once commit. you, I think once you live together, the honeymoon's over. You're no longer dating. Your roommates. Your roommates. Your roommates. And I'm like, benefits, well, for women, we don't need to live with you to get benefits. We can, like, <laughs> I can go to the corner and I can get a benefit. <laughs> so it really isn't a benefit for me. It's a, be- a benefit is something I can get under no other circumstances. So it's kind of like, I I think even, so for both you and your brother, I think, oh, living it. Yeah, then it's like it, the romance is over. You're living it. You are now yeah. roommates. I definitely think. I mean, I know when I got asked to live, move in, I was just, or get a place, whatever, I wasn't as excited, which A, was a red flag. But also, I think it's just something to look forward to. Like when you do get married, it's like, oh, it's exciting to like look at. I mean, I can understand maybe if like the lease starts earlier or somebody leases ends early. And There's a logistics like, that I yeah. won't make excuses for. It. No, Sorry, okay, no. So mom doesn't. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I think it's an exciting step, and like you should. It's like your first place together as like a married couple. Like I would look forward to that. Like a married couple. As so. no, as a married couple, I'm saying. Oh, as a married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying pre. Yeah. Pre ring. Yeah, and I understand. Like, um, you know, I'm. I'm not naive thinking, okay, you know, but that's why when you're dating, go take trips together. You know what I mean? Go do fun stuff stuff together. There will be the rest of your lives to be roommates. (laughs) 
and to be married and have children and worry about bills and worry about business and worry about jobs. And so this is when you're dating, it's when it should be fantastic. So right. don't burden me with, are you, like, did you take out the trash? We'd have all the time together. <laughs> yeah, you will. There'll be time for that. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? I feel like I'm, I know what you're going to say, but what do you think like the key to happiness is and what is happiness to you? Um, happiness to me, of course, is having my family together. That is happiness to me. So when I can have my family together, just knowing that um, those that I love are healthy and happy. And so I guess happiness for me is trying to facilitate that or watch that or do anything I can to support it. And I'm just, I'm, I'm also thinking, I'm thinking about, you know, my brother, my brother who's, you know, going through some medical stuff. So mm -hmm. I, oh, what makes me happy? Taking, how can I help? What can I do? How can I support him? So I think happiness is really creating that network of people that mean everything to you. Creating that family. That to me is happiness. That's what I learned from my mom and dad. And that's what makes, that to me is happiness. It's, it's not just anything like professionally or financially um, being successful. That's just like on the side. Real happiness. So real happiness is just having that, that, tribe having my tribe it's hmm. a good answer well thanks for this chit chat mom i always think we have really good conversations so i know you'll be a regular on my show my morning show <laughs> thanks for having me if the people like you can come back hate mail um but with that it's gonna end our episode and we'll talk to you guys next week bye Bye. Great questions. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Mornings with Mercy, your weekly dose of inspiration.